0: it's nice to be noticed every now and again.
1: All of us at one time in our lives, we want the spotlight to be focused on us. I mean, take a football game for instance. When a player scores a touchdown, he gets into the end zone. He doesn't just lay the ball down or give it to the referee. He's got to go through this whole dance because he knows at that moment
0: All the cameras are on him. So what's wrong with wanting a little recognition? If you've ever set out in search for glory, consider the prayer Jesus prayed. How
1: can I live my life, Father, in a way that puts the spotlight not on me, but puts the spotlight on
0: you? Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. So many are looking for their five minutes of fame, but there is a short but profoundly powerful prayer by Jesus that not only challenges our culture's idea of glory, but it also redefines it altogether. Charles Tapp continues with the second part in his series, The Prayers of Jesus, A Window into the Heart of God, with his message, The Search for Glory.
1: Today, we continue our series on the prayers of Jesus, a window into the heart of God. And as I said on last week, and I feel that it begs repeating, whenever we deal with a subject like Prayer, whether it's something you read in a book from an author or a preacher you heard on television or radio in a sermon. It is usually from the standpoint of seeing and viewing prayer as a tool. Too many times we look at prayer as just being this, this vehicle that God gives us so that so that you and I can receive those things from him that we stand in desperate need of. And at its heart, there's really nothing wrong with that, unless that's the only way we view prayer. Because didn't Jesus himself admonish us to ask, and it will be what? Given to seek, and we shall find for us to do what? Knock, and the door shall be opened unto us. Even in the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples to use as a template, as a model, the Lord's prayer, right within the very heart of that prayer, Jesus admonishes his disciples. And by the way, that's you and that's me to seek our heavenly father for the provision of our daily bread to provide our daily needs. So there's nothing wrong with seeing prayer as a way for us to get our needs met from our Heavenly Father. And if we're really going to be honest with ourselves today, if we really didn't believe that God would grant our request, how many of us would really pray to God in the first place? But as we've been looking at and examining these prayers of Jesus we see a completely different focus on prayer coming to the surface. Instead of Jesus' focus being on getting his needs met, what we do see emerging to the surface is what is really the most important thing in Jesus' life. And it's not stuff. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was here in his sermon on the Mount, he told his disciples, don't take all of your time and all of your resources gathering stuff, stuff that the elements like moth and rust can ultimately corrupt over time and and potentially thieves could, could break in and steal. And how many of us are going to be honest today and say that we already have too much stuff? Cleaned out the garage the other day. I felt very proud of myself. Thank you very much. But what I did was I just moved the stuff from the, from the garage to the attic. But, man, if you walked in my garage now, you would go, wow, there's no stuff but you can barely get into my attic, that's another story for another time, amen? But Jesus' focus in prayer wasn't about getting stuff and neither should ours be. But what we do learn from Jesus' prayers, the one we looked at last week and especially the one we're going to focus on today is the main thing that Jesus wanted more than anything else was to have his life be lived in such a way that it always would bring glory and honor to God. In other words, what was at the foundation of Christ's prayer was, how can I live my life, Father, in a way that puts the spotlight not on me, but puts the spotlight on you? You don't hear too much of that today, do you? Especially living in this crazed culture where we are constantly being immersed with receiving daily, if not hourly, updates on what is taking place in each other's lives, whether we want to know about it or not. People are telling you what they had for dinner, telling you what trip they took, and all of that is great and all of that. Is good, but we're constantly being bombarded with the mundane to the sublime. People have said that everybody, whether we want to admit it or not, are looking for some kind of glory. All of us, at one time in our lives, we want the spotlight to be focused on us. We want our five minutes of Fame. You know, I noticed this, especially in the world of sports. But have you ever noticed in a football game where when a player scores a touchdown, he gets into the end zone? He doesn't just lay the ball down or give it to the referee. He's got to go through this whole dance because he knows at that moment all the cameras are on him. And whenever I see that, I say to myself, you didn't do anything. You just did your job. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you get paid for. And trust me, they get paid more than all of us in this building, our incomes combined. But as we shall see in Jesus' prayer in John chapter 12, Jesus challenges our culture's idea of what glory is. But he goes even further than that, as we shall see in this prayer today, Jesus redefines what glory really is. Let's look at John chapter 12, verses 27 to verse 28. It says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour but for this purpose I came to this hour. Verse 28, Father, glorify your what? Name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now upon reading John's account of Jesus' prayer, it sounds very reminiscent of the prayer he prayed in Gethsemane, which, by the way, John's gospel completely omits it altogether. But just as in Gethsemane, Jesus' words sound very familiar. It sounds as though Jesus is looking for an out. It sounds as though he is looking for a way to escape this impending hour that he says that is upon him. But as I always say, when we study scripture, context is everything. So let's just move up a a few verses in John chapter 12. And let's look at verses 20 to verse 23. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came for worship at the feast, talking about the feast of the Passover. They came to Philip who was from Bethesda, Bethesda rather, of Galilee and asked him saying, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Verse 23. But Jesus answered them saying, please don't miss this. The hour has come that the Son of man should be glorified. Now, at first glance, this appears to be just an innocent request on the part of the Greeks. And it was not uncommon, by the way, for Greeks to participate in their worship. It sounds as though they just want an appointment with Jesus. But when you look at this verse, this verse and these verses more closely here, you see that there's something deeper. For the term to see that John uses here is one that he uses throughout his entire gospel. And in every context, John is not talking about seeing or having sight with our eyes. But John is using it in the context of seeing through the eye. Of faith. Please stay with me. So, when the Greeks came and asked, Can we see Jesus? We want to see Jesus. They weren't saying, We want an appointment with him. They were saying, We want him to show us that he is really who he claimed to be the Messiah. It appears to be a replay of what took place in the wilderness when Jesus began his ministry when the enemy came to distract him from his mission by presenting him with the same idea that if you really are who you say you are, show me, I want to see that you are the Christ. But just as in the wilderness, Jesus, thank God, remained steadfast and resolute not to bring glory to himself because he could have easily brought all the spotlight on him, he could have easily turned the stone to bread. He could have easily fallen off the hillside. But instead, he took the spotlight off of him and he put it on his father. And when he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that does what? Proceeded from the mouth of God. And dear friends, this should serve as an example for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Should it not? And that's, that's who we are, by the way. First and foremost, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. We then are disciples of Jesus Christ. And as disciples of Christ, we should determine in our hearts not to be distracted or deterred or discouraged by the attacks of the enemy, but to always keep the spotlight on our heavenly father. But instead of granting the request of these Greek visitors, Jesus chose to take hold of this opportunity to redefine and explain for not only them, but for us today, what it really means To possess the glory of God. Look at verses 24 to verse 26 of John 12. Most assuredly, I I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and does what? Dies, look at this, it remains what? Alone. But if it dies, it produces what? Much grain. He who loves his life will what? Lose it. He who hates his life in this world will do what? Keep it for eternal life. Verse 26. If anyone serves me, that's you and me now, because we said we're followers, we're disciples of Jesus. If anyone follows me, let him... If anyone serves me, rather, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Here Jesus uses an agricultural principle as a metaphor to explain what it meant for him and what it would mean for all of those who have chosen to follow him when we choose to bring glory to God. Jesus uses the imagery of a seed to illustrate this great principle of truth that there can be no glory without suffering. No fruitful life without death. And there can be no victory as a follower of Jesus Christ without first having total surrender. And I love how Jesus elaborates on this point further in verse 25 when he says, he who loves his life will do what? You will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for." eternal life and by hating one's life Jesus is not promoting a life of self-deprecation that's not what he's talking about at all but in the Hebrew mind the concept of hate didn't mean to despise stay with me but in Jewish thought this idea of hate meant to have one priorities in line, it is the same word that Jesus used when he said, "If you in John uh, Luke fourteen rather, if you want to be one of my disciples, you must be willing to hate your what mother, your father, your brother, your sister." He's not saying have hatred for them, but he's saying you've got to put your life in priority, meaning that the thing that should be most important to you as a disciple is not pleasing others, whether you're related to them, Larry, or not, but it should always be to
0: please God. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Search for Glory. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm gonna take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in his grace and breathing out his praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged.
1: To get more encouraging content, go to WGTS91.9.com.
0: This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp shares a short but profound prayer by Jesus, that challenges our culture's idea of glory and redefines it altogether as he continues with the rest of his message The Search for Glory.
1: I would not be here today standing before you if I had allowed the influence of even those I loved because they would have taken me in a completely different direction. You see, giving glory to God means he has first priority in your life. Children, not your parents. I don't care how old you are. You know, there's some children that could be in their 50s and 60s and their parents are still ruling their lives. I've seen it time after time after time. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I've got to hate I've got to love everything else less and I've got to give God top priority in my life. And when you read all of the prayers that Jesus prayed, that's what it was about. God, Father, help me to govern my life in such a way that I give you top billing, top priority in my life. I love the way the Apostle Paul articulates this same ideology. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, he says, so then, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do all to what? To the glory of God. In other words, live your life from day to day because that's what it means to give glory to God. So we think glory to God means that at certain times, very important times in my life then I'll give God glory or or it has to be in some worship environment that I can give God the glory that's not the concept of glory that's not the biblical concept of glory the biblical concept of glory is me it's you living our lives day to day in the everyday mundane things that we do in such a way that it honors God so in your office, by being ethical, you can bring glory and honor to God. And when the spotlight does come on you, when you get a promotion, instead of basking in the, in the spotlight, yes, yes, that was me. That was, yes, thank you so much. Yeah, yes. You can say praise God. Some of you know I love gardening. I'm going to show you a picture of our, of our yard, what it looked like before we moved in. And what it looks like now night and day but I was out watering this past week as I do every morning because I just put down some sod and if you ever put down any sod you've got to water it every day two or three times a day so I was out there watering the flowers and watering the flower bed and this woman walked by as she does every day as do many others in our neighborhood and she stopped and said you know I just need to share something with you I'm going, oh my goodness, What? What, you know, what is this going to be? She said, every day I walk by your garden and I stop and it brings me joy. Amen. I could have said, well, it's because of the, of, of the time and effort that I put into this. Or it's because of the type of soil that I use. You know, I just tried a brand new fertilizer the other day and So praise God. It brings her joy. Something as simple as not simple, but something as well, I guess you can't call it simple as planting a garden, taking care of it day by day. I am giving God glory. We're all waiting for this big thing to do so we can give God the glory. Sorry, we give God the glory each and every day of our lives when we live it in a way that takes the spotlight off of us and puts the spotlight on our heavenly father and that's not always easy giving God the glory is always about a choice It is a choice that you and I make in this culture today where we're consumed with choosing only those things that make us happy. Only those things that make that are fun. I was talking with a couple of young adults earlier today and and they were talking about how they don't want to go into adulthood. Because adulthood is just too hard. It's not fun you got to pay bills. Mm. (laughs) Giving God glory is about a choice. A choice that we make every day in our homes, on the job, in our neighborhoods, our community, where we say, I'm going to live my life in such a way that it brings the spotlight, not to me, but to God. But the stark reality is if you and I truly live lives that glorify God, it can cost us severely. You can lose your job living a life that glorifies God. You can lose a partner because you've chosen a life to glorify God. You can lose your Life. And I don't mean in spiritual terms, because you've made a choice to glorify God. And this is the choice that Jesus had to make. And this is why he prayed, Father, my soul is troubled. See, we get this idea of Jesus where we think nothing really fazed him. He saw everything that he had to endure and he said to his father, I am troubled. Same thing happened in the garden of Gethsemane for the agony of the weight of the sins of the world were upon him. He was fully human as well as being fully God and he did not allow his God likeness to interfere with his humanity. So he felt the weight and he said, father, my soul is troubled. And then he said, what shall I say then? Save me from this hour. In other words, God, shall I ask you to give me an out? But before his father can answer, Jesus answered and said, but it is for this purpose that I came for this hour. Father, glorify your name. Do you get it? Father, glorify your name. In order for God's name to be glorified, Jesus had to go to the cross. In order for God's name to be glorified in our lives, we must do as Jesus says, and take up our crosses, and what? Follow him. And a cross can be a very difficult thing to bear at times. But then the Bible says a voice came from heaven. And the voice said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. It's interesting. John says that many in the crowd there didn't know whether that was an angel or whether it was thunder. And some commentators ask the question, did they really understand what was being said? Or did they just hear this this great sound that came from heaven? But what I find interesting here is, is simply this. There were three times in Jesus' life where his father spoke to him where everyone could hear. The first was at the beginning of his ministry when he was being baptized and the voice from heaven came down and said what? This is my beloved son and who I am what? Well pleased. Then as he was beginning his ministry into Jerusalem and he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with the three other disciples, a voice from heaven came down and said the very same thing. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. And here's the final time that This voice from heaven comes and honors Christ in the presence of others, and although they're different words, he's saying the very same thing. I have already glorified you, and I will continue to glorify you, and that's where the definition of being glorified takes on a different meaning altogether. It's not this thing that you and I covet, but if we truly want to glorify God, it will come at a Christ. Look at John 12, 30 to verse 32. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for what? Your sake. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm fine. I'm fine with this. I got it. But the voice came to reassure you. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. How many of you say praise God for that, that the ruler of this world will be cast out? thank you verse 32 look at this and I if I am lifted up from the earth will do what draw all peoples to myself please don't miss this even with Jesus allowing himself to be lifted up bringing the spotlight on him it still wasn't about him it was about us bringing glory to God was the most important thing in the life of Jesus. And this prayer reminds us that as his followers, bringing glory to our Father should be the most important thing to us. Who says amen to that?
0: You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Search for Glory. And if you wanna listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week.
1: This for Jesus was indeed a struggle because just as you and I possess free will, Jesus possessed free will.
0: Next week, we really hope you'll plan to listen in again as Charles Tep continues with the third part in this series, the prayers of Jesus in his message, the mystery of the cup. Well, thanks for listening. And we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more simple truths for life.